Welcome to the discussion, Modernizing Federal Network, sponsored by CenturyLink. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guests today are Alan Hill, the Director of the Office of Telecommunications at the General Services Administration, Howard Spira, the Chief Information Officer at the Export and Import Bank, Chez Sivagnanam, the Chief Enterprise Architect at the National Science Foundation, and Zain Ahmed, the Vice President and General Manager for Civilian Sales at CenturyLink. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Before we get started, let me set some context for our discussion today. Think about this for a second. If your email or video teleconferencing system or phones go down, even for five minutes or heaven forbid for an hour, what happens to your job? Does it come to a standstill? Do you have the documents on paper? The answer for the most obvious of questions for is similar for all of us. First, it's what the heck? Then is I can't do anything. And then I didn't print out my documents. And then that's it. I'm going for a walk. I'm getting coffee. Or these days, as we all work from home, I'm taking a nap. That's because everything we do is based on our network. It has to work, it has to work consistently. In fact, the 2009 white paper from McKinsey says, there's ample evidence that the creative use of infrastructure has helped leading companies make themselves more efficient, redefine their business models, and improve their customer experience. 11 years later, this is truer than ever. Agencies need to modernize and transform their network to take advantage of emerging technologies, cloud applications, and improve security. That modernization and transformation, mainly through the Enterprise Infrastructure Solutions Program, or EIS, is starting to happen. As you hear probably from Alan Hill from GSA, agencies are starting to implement technologies like voice over IP at an accelerated rate, and some, a few, are starting to ask for software-defined networking capabilities. So what can agencies do to successfully transform and modernize their networks? What are the benefits and promises of moving to a software-defined wide area or SD-WAN setup? Well, that's where our panelists are going to come in. Once again, my guests are Alan Hill, the Director of the Office of Telecommunications at the General Services Administration, Howard Spira, the Chief Information Officer at the Export and Import Bank, Chez Sivagnanam, the Chief Enterprise Architect at the National Science Foundation, and Zain Ahmed, the Vice President and General Manager for Civilian Sales at CenturyLink. Gentlemen, let me start with some basic, let me turn to Alan Hill to start. You're seeing the network modernization, the changes that are happening at the 50,000 foot view with, through the EIS program. What are some of those trends? What are you seeing from agencies as they're moving down this path of network modernization? So thank you, Jason. Appreciate the invite. And uh, thank you, uh, CenturyLink, for uh, sponsoring this uh, event on Federal News Network. Um, first, uh, starting at the high level, we're looking at GSA uh, facilitating IT modernization across federal government is a top priority at GSA. Uh, cloud and network infrastructure service uh, presents a great opportunity for GSA to guide customers as they modernize. Because of how rapid IT is changing, uh, we need to think about how IT is delivered in a more holistic fashion. Uh, we need to look at network, uh, at how it's being delivered today and how it should be delivered to work with the cloud technologies. Um, Applications don't work well outside the cloud because they're built on legacy architects that aren't efficient. Uh, this is why CIOs and business owners need to take business applications in their IT portfolio and look throughout the application rationalization process to determine what is necessary for them to operate in a more efficient uh, manner in the cloud. Uh, it is not, um, it, we need to build on key components of the cloud smart, uh, smart, cloud smart framework security, procurement, workforce, so they can help customers uh, answer the questions. What applications are actually being, uh, belong in the cloud? Uh, too often decisions are made to move to the cloud applications without fully understanding how the, it impacts the business uh, operations and value to the organization. Uh, that's why we uh, partner with OMB and the CIO Council produced the application rationalization playbook. It strongly encourages agencies to take a more holistic view of the cost of benefit and migrating applications from on-premise into different environments, including the business value, technical fit, and total cost of ownership. Uh, the network needs to be handled no different than the cloud and how it needs to be seamless across the environment. So in EIS, we're looking and how to make network to be, operate in the same fashion that it does in the cloud. So what is how the network operates in the cloud, we need to take that out of the cloud and make it sure it goes all the way down to the end user and how uh, it uh, works. That's why software-defined network becomes prominent. TIC 3.0, zero trust, all the types of security features that are built in the cloud, we need to extend that to our endpoints. Thank you, Jason. 
Now, Alan, one of the things you, you touched upon is this push and pull between the applications and the network. Uh, the network uh, is, has to operate in the same fashion as the cloud, you're saying, but at the same time, you gotta figure out which applications fit best. If you can, give me a sense of, or there's some trends you're starting to see among the solicitations, the fair opportunity solicitations that agencies are putting out there. Specifically, is there a, is there a desire to modernize the network beyond, you know, we're just going to, you know, from networks to EIS, it's, you know, 10, 12, 15 years later, it's going to be better automatically? Uh, yes. So, um, there... Agencies are in different uh, maturity levels. Some agencies are re more ready to modernize, and uh, for example, software-defined wide area network. Uh, because they have the right components in their infrastructure, they can move to a SD-WAN type solution that would provide them the type of value and better management and more aligned to the types of cloud technologies there. Other agencies may not have the right components in place, and that takes time to build on. So it's important to understand where those opportunities are to where you can build on now new technologies and where you may to converge things and build on. For example, you might have your voice and data separated right now, but you, you want to bring them together in a solution that where you get unified communication. Building that out, uh, the technical nuances of that takes time to build the right infrastructure so it supports a more modern, infra uh, modern uh, applications. Let me move over to uh, Howard and, and from the Export Import Bank. You're at the next level down. Alan's seen it from the 50,000 foot view, if you will. W how are you at the Export Import Bank starting to address that network uh, transformation modernization? Sure. Well, I think um, that network uh, modernization is uh, part and parcel of our journey to the cloud. If I look at uh, today, sort of the complexity of stitching together uh, on-prem infrastructure uh, various cloud services, whether it's uh, software as a service, platform as a service, infrastructure as a service, uh, government shared uh, services, and now that we're um, managing our way through uh, the uh, pandemic, uh, the basically a distributed, you know, 100% distributed workforce, um, the uh, the stitching together that that uh, um, that network is. Um, uh, is more important uh, than ever and ensuring that we have the tools to do that in a way that is uh, allows us to be uh, agile and 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 uh, and quick in our response to manage uh, that complexity to be able to uh, monitor and 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 quickly tune um, uh, our network and ensure that that we're uh, securing this uh, uh, I'll call it this more complex uh, enterprise is something that we're very um, uh, that we're very focused on. Uh, the Export Import Bank of the United States is a relatively simple uh, entity from a network perspective, but even as a simple uh, uh, entity, it's it's um, uh, impressive to me in sort of a cloud uh, environment of uh, all the different services that we're stitching together, and then uh, as I mentioned uh, today, trying to deliver to uh, to every employee at their home. You make an interesting point that even for an agency that's on the smaller side, it's still a very complex uh, network in, in many ways. You guys are in a hybrid environment, I imagine? Uh, yeah, I would say um, right now we have about uh, between 70 and 80 percent of our uh, IT infrastructure is in some kind of uh, uh, the cloud. Um, and then we have a relatively small on-prem um, uh, footprint, but even the on-prem uh, footprint is fully virtualized. And so um, while we may not be overly focused on uh, on the WAN side of the house, uh, the use of, uh, of uh, software-defined networks is incredibly important to us uh, for um, the management of that on-prem network and within our cloud uh, infrastructure as a service um, uh, um, capabilities. Uh, w with respect to, uh, like I said, the the, uh, the speed and agility with which we uh, uh, set up um, uh, very secure, very responsive, uh, easy to monitor uh, 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 networks. So we utilize all the uh, all of the technology, and and um, if we didn't have that technology, I don't think we could manage the current state of complexity. 
I think that's a point I'm hearing time and again from a lot of uh, chief information officers and other people in the in the federal IT world that uh, the the move even the the move even the small move for you guys uh, whomever whichever agency is really making a difference today uh, and, and let, let me bring in uh, Ches from the National Science Foundation you all also have made a big move to the cloud you guys have uh, have been using. Um, cloud infrastructure for some time. What is what about what does your network modernization look like? What path are you on? Good morning, and thank you for inviting to this great panel here. Um, so let me start with uh, National Science Foundation. Our mission is to provide the base infrastructure to advance science research in the nation. Um, and then we are a single mission agency. Uh, our IT is also mission focused. So let me start saying that we are not uh, looking at modernizing your network just because we have to do a network modernization. It has to be aligning with our mission and our vision and how we are helping the community serving the best uh, service uh, to promote the science research. So from that angle, uh, so two years ago, um, you know, if you look at our infrastructure, it was mostly confined to the headquarters and we had a data center running uh, in the headquarters providing all the IT services. Then immediately we saw the broader need of uh, enabling with uh, new capabilities such as uh, uh, AI or machine learning or advanced collaboration tools. Um, you know, the situation we are here today, actually we are one of the top agencies uh, providing this, uh, um, you know, classic uh, uh, remote work facility. So all these would not have been possible if we uh, haven't adopted cloud. And when, we, when I say cloud, uh, initially our focus was just looking at one cloud and then we quickly realized not one cloud provider is going to meet all our needs. And we have to set up this um, you know, multi-cloud architecture so we can uh, use uh, our, our uh, uh, take advantage of these services provided by these uh, providers uh, on an on-demand basis. So um, to set up this multi-cloud uh, environment, and obviously if you look at the uh, fundamentals of uh, federal government cybersecurity and uh, infrastructure, it is all mostly network-centric. So we have to make sure we have a robust advanced network to really make this uh, capability available to our IT. So, um, so we added this cross-connect architecture um, which uh, uh, kind of helps fosters that uh, capability of uh, enabling multi-cloud uh, um, cloud providers on-demand basis. And also, uh, we, it also helps uh, us move data and services uh, between the cloud providers and on an on-demand basis. So, so this is the architecture we uh, have developed in the past two years. And uh, the network modernization fits in the right, in the middle of this architecture, right? So we have to have a uh, you know, high-speed connection. We want to make sure it's secure and also uh, have controls of adding and, uh, and turning on and off the cloud providers on an on-needed basis. So uh, the EIS fits uh, right in the middle of this. And uh, our partners have been very helpful. You know, the, we have enabled, uh, the, for example, the direct connect, our uh, I know still we are, uh, we are still on TIC 2.0. We, we are looking to move to TIC 3.0 at some point, but uh, all the TIC 2.0, the uh, hosting of the cross-connect architecture, everything is part of the EIS uh, capabilities. So, so that's where we are uh, today, and we look forward moving in this direction. And also at some point, we want to take advantage of the TIC 3.0, and uh, be even, be, it, that helps us even being more resilient uh, to adding more cloud providers and bringing new capabilities to the foundation in advancement of the research. You mentioned about the the network making this all possible. Have you had to make changes? Have you have you? It's been on a journey to to make sure your network can handle the multi cloud approach, can handle the, the remote work capabilities. Are there specific steps you've taken over the last year or two to ensure that network is is in, in tip top shape? Yes. Um, so when we started um, our cloud uh, migration efforts, uh, it all started with a VPN. We know that is not enough. So now obviously in the past years, we have uh, worked on establishing a fiber connection and also run fiber connection from our headquarters to the cross-connect facility. Uh, and then we also started working with our um, uh, EIS vendor to really um, you know, build this um, 
co-located facility where the cross-connect uh, capabilities could be built on. So all these have been done in the past uh, couple of years, and we are still expanding further uh, and adding more capabilities uh, uh, to specifically add uh, newer cloud providers. Um, so this is uh, something which we have achieved in the past two years. All right, great, great news there. Obviously, I talked to your CIO, Dorothy Aronson, just recently, and there's a lot of good news happening at NSF. Uh, let's bring in Zane from CenturyLink. Let's first ask you, what are you seeing from your customers these days around network modernization? And then maybe we could ask you to react a little bit to what everyone's been saying. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Um, so I'll take kind of two parts of it. First part is how we're seeing as, as a macro uh, world dynamically changing and uh, responding to COVID-19, the digital interactions have gone up. Uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of uh, stress put on the network itself. Um, and you're not just on the core of the network. I think that scales a lot easier. Um, you're seeing the distributed ends show up uh, very differently. Your, your towers are, are getting jammed with um, concurrent calls coming through and data getting used that way. So um, we're seeing a lot of that. We've scaled our network accordingly uh, and continue to do that as we see demand show up in different areas of the country and globally as well. Um, but then more at, at the micro level from a government perspective, um, we've um, almost provided 200 gigs of internet traffic, upgraded our customers within just the healthcare uh, uh, vertical itself. And that happened um, uh, within either four hours or two hours of getting us the order, or sometimes not even having the order to respond to the um, uh, COVID-19 initiatives that um, the government has across the board. And that's where owning your own network becomes really important and being able to control your destiny and being able to respond to as the mission evolves for uh, different agencies, being, being there for them and being responsive around it. Uh, we've even, um, as being a good corporate citizen, um, wherever we're on net and our facilities are there fiber-wise, are offering free uh, services um, to any temporary medical services or hospitals being set up. Um, just to provide that uh, ongoing support. Uh, we even uh, provide that for the U.S. Navy ship Mercy uh, in Los Angeles. So we'll continue to do that and continue to evolve. So our network is in great shape uh, and continues to scale. We're just about out of time for this segment, but I just want to get one quick follow-up on. As you talk to agencies and, and as you see with their reaction to with this coronavirus pandemic and, and having more and more uh, employees work from home, are, are they did some network stress tests before the, the maximized telework order came down. Uh, that, uh, what I've heard from agency CIOs and federal CIOs, Suzanne Kent, really made a big difference. And, and vendors like yourself, like CenturyLink, really responded quickly. What was the reaction? What, was, what did you hear from your customers during that stress test? Like, was there a lot of, oh my, you better come help me now? Or was it more like, oh, we're not in bad shape. We just need to tweak here, tweak there. And I know you can't blanket everybody, but what were some of the things? I think, uh, in my opinion, COVID-19 will be responsible for a lot of uh, IT modernization efforts um, directly because um, people are getting forced to live differently, react differently, interact differently. And uh, the stress caused a lot of panic. And that showed up uh, with customers asking for bandwidth tomorrow or in a couple of hours. And, um, and that, that reaction um, and having alignment all across the board, Suzette was calling... Um, Dave Young, our president for federal, right? So for public sector rather. So getting things aligned to make sure everybody is working in the same kind of direction and prioritizing things, it helps react to our customers better and serve their mission. So we were able to react through and work with them. I think we're in a very better, we're in a much better position today from that perspective and showing up and responding to all the diverse uh, workforce that's coming back into the mothership for data or interactions um, in, um, and having those conversations. Excellent. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation about network modernization. You're listening to the panel discussion, Modernizing Federal Networks, sponsored by CenturyLink on Federal News Network. Today, federal agencies are busier than ever before, working to ensure that their IT systems can deliver on their missions. Agencies are modernizing, using technology that will make a real difference in all of our lives. CenturyLink is right there, building adaptive networks, 
helping agencies migrate to the cloud and fortifying their security. We're in it together, and we're here to help. So when you think IT modernization, think CenturyLink. Visit CenturyLink.com federal to learn more. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Modernizing Federal Networks, sponsored by CenturyLink on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today, Alan Hill, the Director of the Office of Telecommunications at the General Services Administration, Howard Spira, the Chief Information Officer at the Export-Import Bank, Chez Sigvananam, Chief Enterprise Architect at the National Science Foundation, and Zain Ahmed, the Vice President and General Manager for Civilian Sales at CenturyLink. Now, just before break, we talked a little bit about the, the uh, this idea of SD-WAN and, and how it's playing more into this network modernization. Both uh, Alan mentioned it and, and Zane mentioned it, is growing use of it and, and the potential of it. So Zane, let me start with you and, and just talk a little bit about SD-WAN and what you're starting to see, the requests you're seeing from agencies and why it's important now more than ever. So uh, I'll use Department of Interior as a kind of flagpole where people should be looking at because they truly embrace the need for modernization. They, they, they looked at it, said, said our requirements are gonna evolve over time. We're gonna look to scale faster, grow faster, be able to provide more services uh, to the rural areas too, where bandwidth is a little challenging. And how do you do that is layer on some technology that helps you prioritize traffic. Um, I think SD-WAN is a good building block. The other pieces of the pie that are starting to show up are network function virtualization as well, um, especially given COVID-19, uh, where when we can't even get to our um, sites and there's a touch aspect of it sometimes, that is required, field dispatch is required. Um, NFV and SD-WAN combined together provide you the ability to scale faster, even deploy software um, from your central hub. So, and you have a controller that controls everything and you can deploy within within a couple of minutes or a couple of hours um, and scale much better to a rapidly changing environment. And we continue to see technology evolve at a pace that's far greater than uh, our ability to kind of work through the change itself. Um, so having your infrastructure ready, your foundation laid out right, um, making sure your security aspect of it is intertwined with how you design your network is far more critical than ever before. You know, the days of 2.2 are, are coming to an end soon. And what we're seeing evolving from a, that perspective, um, we, we had conversations with our customers around TIC3 autopilots. Um, with COVID-19 evolving, they're, they're asking for, let's go into production now. And uh, what helps that? Having a cloud strategy behind your solutions, uh, we can scale, evolve faster, and respond to our customers a lot faster. You make a good point about evolving and scale to the customers faster. Alan, that's one thing about the EIS contract. That's one thing that GSA is really trying to promote is it's not just this, hey, turn on a circuit, turn off a circuit, but hey, you gotta add more circuits. Hey, it's just, a, it's, it's quick, it's easy, hopefully, and, and not too expensive. Yes, uh, thank you, Jason. Uh, yes, on uh, SD-WAN has been a game changer technology for the enterprise. On EIS specifically, there have been 27 solicitations that have uh, where the agencies have requested SD-WAN. In addition, uh, other agencies have left the latitude for the vendors to offer SD-WAN uh, without specifically calling out requirements for SD-WAN. Uh, in September 2019, the Small Business Administration and awarded a task order where they're converting their MPLS network to an SD-WAN uh, network. What's important about that, it, it, the type of technology that SD-WAN offer is what is leveraged in the cloud and it provides applications in a more inefficient manner to, uh, to a more uh, broader surface network to where you're not going through the traditional tic 2 type environment and, and bottleneck. Uh, and on top of that, what Zane talked about, the importance of, of taking TIC 3.0 and applying that so that you're not going through those bottlenecks and having applications delivered in a secure fashion to the end user in, in, in a much uh, agile way and be able to scale up and scale down based on your needs. And that's an important aspect of being able to do. And COVID-19 kind of brought out the skeletons of how uh, – uh, our federal networks are not agile, and we need to move to that agile framework to where um, network as a service so that, for example, when you're having a, a large staff that needs to telework from home, allowing the vendors to go through that process of upscaling to that capability 
without the contract mechanisms being in place and, and uh, the national procurement type cycles that go with the logistics and all that, the vendors can be much more responsive in providing those service and move into a more consumption model where network as a service is consumption model, SD-WAN would fall uh, in line with that along with tic 3 and, and zero trust and being able to move to a more consumption model and be able to meet the demands of the business applications uh, for the customers. Thank you. Uh, the key to that, what you said, a lot of it was the consumption model. And I think that's what we're starting to see now. Um, Howard or Ches, let me bring you guys into the discussion as well. Uh, the, that consumption model, is that starting to be a concern for you guys as COVID-19, as people work from home? How, how are you dealing with that? Maybe Howard start and then let's, let's go to Ches. Sure. Well, I think one of the first things um, uh, we recognize is, is the agility of, of uh, these software-defined networks is has been uh, critical in, in terms of our COVID-19 response. Um, and at the same time, though, uh, as we started to get into this space, not only on the network side, but on the, uh, in the cloud side, um, we know that we're on consumption-based models. And so we have protocols for managing uh, uh, and monitoring our consumption relative to our, uh, 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 our financial forecast baselines. And, and we recognized very quickly that, that we were having a, a huge shift in the baseline. So our, uh, uh, our administrative team um, within the office of the CIO has been working very closely uh, with our uh, networks and infrastructure team to update our uh, baselines. And we think last week is, uh, or I'm sorry, this week probably represents uh, probably the best indication of what we think uh, a good reforecast would be based on and ensuring that in conjunction with our procurement team and our chief financial officer, that we can um, fund, uh, at least for, for us, what represents um, a, a significant uptick in, uh, in consumption relative to uh, where we had um, initially forecast the year to be at. Does that concern you when you see, because you, you budgeted for, and I'll make this up, you know, a million dollars and now you're spending $2 million. Is, is that a big concern? Do you work? Uh, to how, how to turn down consumption, how to, how to mitigate some of those risks of consumption? Sure. Um, I mean, one of the things that, that, that we did, and like I said, you know, on these, um, uh, between cloud and, and the network, the monitoring and telemetry we have is, is really incredible relative to uh, uh, where we were um, uh, five years ago. So, um, so one of the things that, that we did is when we saw a lot of the utilization going up, we have the kind of telemetry and analysis to uh, look into that traffic and say, what's it really about? And then actually issue guidance to, um, uh, to the bank staff to uh, um, uh, change certain habits. So for example, we just uh, happened to notice that we had um, uh, some congressional hearings involving the Export-Import Bank that were happening coincident with uh, the shift to, uh, to telework. And people on-prem were used to watching it through something we call XMTV. And uh, we were able to isolate on that type of traffic and request that staff that were now teleworking watch TV through their television as opposed to trying to draw it through uh, our, our network where we were punching uh, 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 a, a level of traffic that, that had we not been able to analyze that and make that advice, we actually would have had to um, uh, dial up uh, the amount of bandwidth on order and stay within our current capability. In certain areas, particularly in the uh, uh, Office 365, we're buying a lot more minutes uh, related to our M365 contract and people uh, uh, who, uh, are, uh, who don't have really great um, internet service and are using uh, having the uh, uh, the Microsoft service actually um, use the uh, e either a mobile phone or a uh, or a landline as the audio channel on a um, uh, you know in a, in, a, in a conference call so um, uh, uh, so in one case we were able to uh, mitigate and and stay uh, sort of uh, within uh, our uh, uh, our estimate because we had the analytical uh, capability. And in another case, um, you know, we uh, uh, added it up, uh, 
developed the forecast and we've had uh, working with CFO and our procurement team uh, had dollars added to the contract. Uh, before I go to Chess, Zane, just jump in real quick. Are you getting a lot of agencies who are worried about that consumption model? We hear that, oh, let's move to the consumption model, but sounds like someone like Howard goes, we're there and boy, sometimes it's, it's a little scary. Yeah, and, and, and planning for it, it's just something, something like COVID-19 you can never plan for. It shows up in your world very differently. Uh, I think uh, having an OPEX view of the world and consumption-based model saves you from having those spikes when you have to have capital infused into your world every three, four years from a technology refresh perspective. We've seen that play out at Department of Homeland Security where we provide landmass services for them. And uh, it provides a stable work environment where as you flex, as you grow, you, you use more service and pay for it. And if you go down, you go down and, and don't pay for those services. So it does provide benefit for the taxpayer themselves, as well as, um, I mean, how you get operationalized and continue to have technology refreshes show up uh, without having to plan for that capital spend that comes with it. Um, one of the uh, things Howard was talking about was uh, uh, we've seen a lot of spike in legacy products that we use, uh, like audio conferencing, um, those bridges that never get to, never got used that much. Uh, we saw uh, almost two, two to three X surge in that happened in our marketplace. And we had to scale it accordingly because th those are legacy products that we're, we're using, but um, all of a sudden they're, they're in high demand and people want, um, want to utilize those. So having the ability to, to provide those um, and there's choke points as Howard was mentioning, like the cell towers, when you're using a cell phone from home, it's not planned for that or your CEO might have too many concurrent calls. So locally you might get choked out even getting to the, um, bridge itself to get connected. So all those things are playing. Um, but I think uh, everyone is working together to solve that and it's stabilizing. We started to see it stabilize now. Um, so we'll continue to monitor and uh, work through whatever challenges come our way. Right. Chaz, jump in here too. Let's play off of what, what you heard from Howard and, and, and Zane and Alan a little bit about not just SD-WAN, but this as a service, the cloud model. How's the National Science Foundation kind of taking advantage of the, the cloud and consumption-based model. Sure, thank you. So um, before I start, a few words about SD-WAN. So we are a single location, single network, so we don't have really a lot of use cases to segment our network and play with. So that's uh, it's, uh, very straightforward. So we don't really uh, look at that as an immediate need. However, uh, there's a lot of talk about TIC3.0. So uh, I want to chime in a little bit, uh, given the situation with uh, here with COVID-19. So... Uh, today, we are uh, leveraging TIC 2.0, and uh, the TIC 2.0 is network-centric model, right? So um, with the situation given, like, uh, I know we have to force our, we have a lot of great capabilities uh, uh, for our remote users. So, you know, we have a laptop uh, given should everybody, we have great sort of collaboration tools, uh, and, uh, you know, we are very mobile friendly, so we are great, right? But what happens is because of this uh, TIC 2.0 thing, we make everybody to go through our uh, VPN infrastructure, right? And uh, we closely watch our bandwidth. And uh, there is a limitation uh, with what we have. And, for example, we have, this impacts the customer experience, right? Because we are asking people to not stream videos, uh, you know, uh, don't use uh, social media, those kind of things. And also, uh, in an emergency situation like this, we had to turn on capabilities on demand basis. Like, you know, we had to turn on Microsoft Teams, we had to turn on Zoom, those kind of things, right? So the, the problem with that 2.0 model is the, and the, the, it is network-centric, and uh, it, it takes a lot of resources, and we have to deal with these things. The 3.0 capability is a data-centric approach, which is... Um, which is a, a great model, and we wanted that yesterday, actually. Um, so, and we look forward for the new EIS uh, to bring those capabilities and make, them, make, a, make it available for agencies like us, so we can turn on capabilities on demand basis. And we are look, I mean, we are looking at 
at in the future enabling our systems with intelligence, right? Uh, the mission system. So, you know, we need a capability like where we run a, a service on one cloud provider and we want to turn on an algorithm and quickly plug in that algorithm into the uh, service that we are using uh, running in a, uh, you know, a provider one. And th these kind of capabilities can only be made available with the TIC 3.0 data centric cybersecurity architecture. Uh, and we really uh, are looking forward to do that. I keep hearing this TIC 3.0 thing. I love talking about TIC. We're going to do that in the next segment because we're just about out of time. But before we uh, end this segment, uh, let me just bring back around to Alan for a second. <clears throat> Alan, when, when these, the consumption model, is that something that EIS can support? I'm going to say yes, of course it can, but talk a little bit about how it can support it. And then are you, do agencies get that? Because I think that's the key here. Can, do they understand how it works? Thank you, Jason. Uh, yeah, so for example, infrastructure as a service is one of the services provided on EIS. That is a consumption model, cloud-based type framework that is available on EIS. Network as a service is another way that, uh, that uh, can be provided on EIS so that a, a agency, what typically an agency looks at is buying the components, the software, the security and all that, where if you have it all in, uh, uh, bundled together, uh, no different than what you do with your your phones. It's all uh, uh, bundled together in terms of how you get the services. Uh, Howard touched on the, the importance of being on the monitor. I, I look at it from perspective, though, in, in contracts, we have cost plus fixed fee type contracts. You know, those are all again really technically a consumption model. It's cost plus, and so you're 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 really are in the framework already. It's just a matter of, of adjusting how you budget and manage it in a much more close fashion. When you go out and you say you need like 5,000 VPN licenses, you're paying for 5,000 VPN license, but maybe you're only using 3,000 in a particular period of time, but you're still paying for 5,000 licenses. Why be concerned with the licenses, the security and all that if you're scaling up and down? And I think Howard brought a great approach of looking at it from looking at the model and of what you're currently using and being able to provide guidelines out of agent to, to consumers that when they're using too much, it's not, there's not the business case. There's a lot of the technology that we don't have implemented in our infrastructure. For example, SD-WAN can greatly reduce the costs of the infrastructure and allow a lot more value in terms of how things are delivered in the consumption model. All right, those are the two things we're going to address in that next segment, security, 3.0, and then the value of SD-WAN and, and moving to a modernized network. But first, let's take a quick break. You're listening to the panel discussion, Modernizing Federal Networks, sponsored by CenturyLink on Federal News Network. Today, federal agencies are busier than ever before, working to ensure that their IT systems can deliver on their missions. Agencies are modernizing, using technology that will make a real difference in all of our lives. CenturyLink is right there, building adaptive networks, helping agencies migrate to the cloud, and fortifying their security. We're in it together, and we're here to help. So when you think IT modernization, think CenturyLink. Visit CenturyLink.com federal to learn more. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Modernizing Federal Networks, sponsored by CenturyLink on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Alan Hill, the Director of the Office of Telecommunications at the General Services Administration, Howard Spira, the Chief Information Officer at the Export and Import Bank, Chez Sivagnanam, the Chief Enterprise Architect at the National Science Foundation, and Zain Ahmed, the Vice President and General Manager for Civilian Sales at CenturyLink. Last segment, we talked a lot about TIC 3.0. Cover you brought it up as we talked about this as a service model. Uh, TIC 3.0 is the is really the there's a lot of hope there from a lot of agencies because earlier versions of the trusted internet connection or TIC uh, really what I called it, it was an albatross around agencies' necks when it became uh, when it when it stopped them or really made it harder, if you will, to move to the cloud. So Chez, let's lead us off uh, with some comments around why the move to 3.0 is is so exciting. And how are you dealing with 2.0 today uh, as, as more and more age, more and more employees are uh, working remotely? Sure. Uh, thank you. So let me start by saying a few words about uh, the 2.0 architecture, how it works. So 2.0 architecture is uh, tool-centric and network-centric. So it forces all traffics 
to the services through this common gateway. So the DHS or the Homeland Security can have true visibility into what's going on, right? That's the current model. And most of the organizations are um, in this model. And it, uh, as you see, the bottleneck is, um, you know, the tools and the network, uh, you know, the endpoints. Uh, so this has a lot of limitations, specifically when you're uh, in a crisis, when you are uh, trying to turn on cloud services on an on-demand basis, and you want to provide resilience to your infrastructure so people can, uh, you know, you have a seamless experience for your customers working from remote locations. Now, what the 3.0 model does is 3.0 is more requirement-centric and data-centric. So it lets the cloud pr service providers uh, manage their uh, requirements and report uh, the requirements based upon and a managed service like an SLA, right? And also, um, it uh, what it does is uh, it helps to track um, the assets and the data in a more uh, sophisticated way. So we have a true vision into how, uh, because the security at uh, end of the day is how we preserve your data, right? Or how you secure your data. So, and then track your assets. For example, the TIC 3.0 uh, brings capabilities such as like geofencing. Like, you know, you can track uh, assets um, that are leaving certain boundaries and then you can automatically take control of it and turning them off, right? So you have all these cool capabilities brought into it and it's more device centric and also, so, uh, you know, today uh, we are seeing more and more software as a service in the cloud. So you want to take advantage of these platforms and services and building your own infrastructure in the cloud. And the TIC 3.0 is a great enabler for this. And uh, we look forward really moving in this direction uh, uh, very soon. Uh, and uh, the current capabilities we have with the TIC 2.0 is a bottleneck. And uh, we are eagerly waiting for the EIS uh, to really uh, enhance that capability to us. Now, I, I remember earlier in the conversation, I think it was Zane, but maybe it was Alan, somebody mentioned this idea of agencies that are asking to begin the pilot sooner than later. Was that Zane? Zane yeah. So jump in and, and, and real quick, what, what, what the conversations you're having with your customers about two versus three, what, what are you hearing? So, uh, as the network is evolving, you're seeing more usage of cloud um, and as well as kind of branch offices not wanting to access data that might not be in the data centers itself. Uh, so multiple data streams, and as Chess was saying, uh, it's a data-centric approach. Um, there's four main uh, cases that apply to take three, um, in my mind, that apply to take 3.0. One being the cloud. How do you cl connect to different cloud providers without going through your data centers and hairpinning your traffic path? Um, second being your remote users, um, how, how are they connecting? And that could be mobility as well. Um, third being your branch, um, your branch offices, uh, how are they going to go connect? And lastly, it's the old uh, TIC 2.2 um, methodology of how you connect back into the data centers and all doing all that securely. So we, we created um, our own product around it. Um, and so the majority of it is cloud-based, so it scales better. Um, and, and can be adapted to different environments. We were having conversations with multiple agencies early on around, let's go do a pilot with this. And, um, and, 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 and majority of this conversation takes place at the chief information security officer level to understand the, the threat level or risk level that they can accept at that point and built into their overall architecture and what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. Um, and it rapidly evolved given um, how more and more users are going um, to their homes and working from there and, and the load is putting back onto the either MTIPS architecture that's existing today or the thick, thick, uh, old tick architecture that the agencies themselves are running. Um, so our agencies are coming to us saying, hey, let's, let's go try, try, actually go put it into productions because we don't have the capacity of VPN connections to be coming in. Uh, even VPN concentrators to be able to handle the load that's coming our way. Um, and um, supply chain is really uh, challenged there to provide VPN concentrator in the time they need and get it installed, get it, all the certification done. So um, having a TIC 3.0 cloud-based approach um, is really paying benefits for us around how we're looking at it and deploying it for our customers. All right, Alan, you hear that? They're excited. They want to move quicker. What, what are you guys doing from GSA's perspective? How are you working with the Homeland Security Department to get this 3.0 approach really up and running much more quickly now? 
So uh, thank you, Jason. Uh, we're at GSA, our security experts are working uh, side by side with the uh, Cyber and uh, Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA. And hope we're, one, we're educating all the agencies in industry on having webinars, educating them on how tic guidance is, uh, helping them understand what can or can't be done. Uh, on top of that, we're taking the, the use cases that are being developed, we're bringing it back into our industry partners and allowing them to develop the types of solutions that can be offered out for it to, to be uh, uh, as a service or, or components and stuff to be able to be bought and added into their infrastructure. Um, I, I think the most key important thing is, is that um, we're focusing on the use cases and what Zane talked about but we're also looking at the use cases associated with mobility and also zero trust and bringing those in uh, and, uh, and making sure that we have a well robust so that people can get their infrastructure shifted from to traditional stovepipe to more uh, agile type uh, infrastructure that is more fluent and be able to provide the type of uh, connections with the applications to, to the cloud. Do you get a sense that and again, I know you can't speak for DHS, but do you get a sense that both people, the providers like CenturyLink, but also DHS is open to, to really accelerating the pace of these use cases because of this reason that I think Zane brought up and, and, and explained really well that the VPNs are just taxed and you can't necessarily, and the old MTIPS is taxed and you just can't upgrade it very quickly to, to deal with the current situation that we're facing? Uh, yes, absolutely. Cecil uh, uh, working with us, uh, we're with tag team. Uh, there's a lot of, of uh, agencies that have a lot of ideas on how the TIC 3.0 can help meet their security needs and bring those, uh, those use cases back and how, how they can be provided in terms of solutions to them. I want to continue the conversation around security, but I think there's a broader conversation we can have too, and that's where I want to bring Howard in from the um, Export Import Bank. Howard, security is one of those challenges when we talk about network modernization, but there's others too. What are you seeing or what are you, if you will, uh, concerned about or trying to keep in the front of your mind as you guys continue to upgrade and transform your network? Sure, I think as um, we focus on this, there are two areas that, um, that uh, come to mind that, that we're very focused on. One is um, with these sophisticated tools, it's amazing uh, uh, what a talented uh, individual can do. And so um, basically a, uh, uh, a smaller staff can do more, but what we're seeing is the talent level that we need in that, in that fewer staff um, has a very, very high bar. And so uh, our ability to ensure that we continue to be able to attract uh, very talented uh, uh, network engineering and infrastructure engineering uh, staff who have, uh, uh, like I said, tremendous capability uh, with, with what they can do. And then the second thing that we really focus on is uh, configuration management and sort of our controls around change management. Because um, uh, while we enjoy the agility, um, the ability to use that agility to accidentally take down systems uh, and to... Um, <laughs> And to create outages is is, uh, is also impressive, and so our, our focus on configuration management, uh, which is also very related to uh, security, and that we've got a good control process that complements and works with the agility uh, that we want, is another area of focus. But Zane, and I got to bring you into this. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Isn't this why SD WAN is the future? Because you just make one change and it and it goes across the entire network. I mean, it's the same thing with security. You make the one patch and it goes across your network. I mean, that, that's the huge benefit of SD-WAN. It, it does. And, and, and what Howard was talking about, having the workforce in-house versus um, having the expertise as a service kind of model where we go in and take over and manage the entire um, network end-to-end -end and making sure security is loaded into it, uh, actually built into it rather than bolted on. Um, is the approach that we're taking with a lot of agencies working with us in collaboration with GSA and OMB um, to really look at innovative ways of going at the problem itself because everybody has the same problem. I need more. Uh, I don't have enough budget. How do I get there? Um, so you got to also understand what budget you have and how do you maximize that. Um, there, there's a couple of challenges that come through um, when, when you go to as a service model one, you got to make sure you kind of budget it accordingly and move away from the CapEx environment. 
move it, move, move to an OPEX environment. Um, second, you, you, you have to have the right staff that knows how to manage SLA-based uh, contracts because um, now you're not in the business of network engineering yourself. Um, third, having the right culture of the team itself. How do you walk away, step away, and manage it differently? Because um, it does take a little different tack. Um, but SUN and NFE, TIC3.0 are all good examples of technologies that are there. Um, and how do you rapidly evolve to get these uh, services working for you? We have about a minute or so left. Let me just ask Chez real quick, uh, uh, some of the, the benefits, the balancing act that NSF has to do between the network modernization, the security, the new capabilities, how do you guys ensure you have that right balance? Um, so what we do at the foundation is, um, so we have a robust change management process. So when we uh, initiate a concept like this, uh, you know, we bring security much ahead of time. Like, you know, we bring them and we make them uh, involved in the process. We design the architecture and we start the conversation. Uh, uh, you know, security is part of the uh, story here. So that helps them to really, you know, assess, uh, you know, from the FISMA perspective, from the audit perspective, from the DHS perspective, you know, look at all that thing and then, uh, you know, uh, design a process that best works for uh, NSF. You know, even, you know, some of the use cases we are uh, trying to uh, put a pitch for the uh, TIC 3.0 experiment, you know, they are uh, much involved much ahead of time and they are part of the uh, team uh, helping us prepare this use case. So cybersecurity is very much integrated. And what, the reason why, another reason why we are able to do this is we're also small. We have like 2,500 staff in the agency, even though our uh, budget and the community is so large, but, this, but the team is so uh, integrated and uh, uh, it works great uh, in the foundation bringing all these things together as part of the change management process. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, this has been a great conversation. So first, let me thank my guests, Alan Hill, the Director of the Office of Telecommunications at the General Services Administration, Howard Spira, the Chief Information Officer at the Export and Import Bank, Chez Sivagnanam, the Chief Enterprise Architect at the National Science Foundation, and Zain Ahmed, the Vice President and General Manager for Civilian Sales at CenturyLink. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time. You've been listening to the panel discussion, Modernizing Federal Networks, sponsored by CenturyLink on Federal News Network. I've been your host, Jason Miller. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search CenturyLink. Thank you for listening to the discussion, Modernizing Federal Networks, sponsored by CenturyLink on Federal News Network.